0: determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: the baseball season is go 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 it's non-stop relentless for every night six straight months and then hopefully another month in october
2: This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 91. Scott, it's been a very eventful, I'd say, week and a half, two weeks for the Yankees, hasn't it? Not only were we in town to see the 96 celebration, A-Rod is no longer with the team. He may be retiring, may not be. That's still up in the up in the air. Uh, Mariano got a plaque. Aaron Judge came up. It was an amazing debut for him. But then over the last week,
2: Gary Sanchez, the Kraken, has officially stolen the show. Yeah, the guy's been unbelievable. I mean, every single time he's coming up to bat, I'm looking for... You know, something positive. He just looks so comfortable out there. I think that's the one thing I take away from him. And in the meantime, we've seen, I know there was so much excitement, obviously, about Judge coming up, Sanchez coming up, Austin with, uh, you know, the first big game with, with Austin and Judge. They, those two guys have definitely cooled off this week. And Gary Sanchez has definitely risen above as, as the one guy who has, I don't know, stayed more consistent since coming up. But well, no. a lot of good things. <laughs>
1: they They might look cool because Gary Sanchez is hitting six home runs, but... You still have Aaron Judge contributing each game. I feel like every time he's in there, he's at least doing something positive, whether it's making a nice play in the field or he had two insurance RBIs for the team on Saturday night. So I think it's all good things from the offensive Yankees rookies. The, the no pitching ones, on the other hand, I guess. Leave what are you talking about? You desired.
2: You, you can't say that right now. Chad uh, Green well, and Chad Green and Luis Sessa have been about, their last three starts have been lights out.
1: Yes, very true. I'm talking more about Severino, who
2: I am extremely disappointed in. But yes, he's been he's been an anomaly. I don't even know what this guy is anymore. We're going to get into all that. First, let's dedicate this episode
1: number 91 to Chicken Alfredo Aceves. Um, if you remember him, pitched for the Yankees from 08 to 2010 and then came back at the end of his career in 2014. And then he was sandwiched in there, pitched for the Red Sox. So he's had a, one of those unique careers. I, I would imagine there's not many players where they only played for the Yankees and Red Sox. He had a few good seasons for the Yankees out of the bullpen. He was kind of like that Swiss Army knife for Girardi. Out of the pen, he would use him for an out or maybe even six, seven outs at a time. So interesting guy, I think. Um, he did have that PED suspension, and I think that pretty much ended his career. And one thing i always remember about Savis, I don't know about you, but didn't he just kind of give off a a pissed off vibe? Like he was always most likely going to hit somebody when he was on the mound or wanted to hit somebody?
2: He did look like an angry man when he was going out there pitching. And maybe it was just because he had no idea what his uh, his role was going to be on any given day. Because you're right, he would go in for an out, three outs, he would maybe spot start, he would do mop-up duty. He was a, He was definitely the guy that, that was was tossed around quite a bit in any kind of situation. So, yeah, the dude, it is very unique the fact that he only played for those two teams. I actually did not know that. So let's look at this. We're all learning things with these stat of the days. I like it. This is a educational podcast, not
1: only a baseball podcast. right. Um, all right. we we teased it. Let's just dive right into the Scranton shuttle of pitching arms that the Yankees are. Bringing back and forth from the Bronx back down to Scranton, yes, you were absolutely right in saying that this weekend was very good, or this last week was very good for young Yankees pitchers. Both Chad Green and Luis Sessa had really good starts. Chad Green, 11 strikeouts against the Blue Jays, who are a legit lineup. He had a good start a month or so, two months ago, when the Yankees were in San Diego. But to be honest with you, the Padres are essentially a 4A team. And I've always called him a 4A pitcher, so that's kind of why I, I thought he was a 4A pitcher. He could pitch well against fringe Major League hitters, but not good Major League hitters. So 11 strikeouts versus a Toronto team is definitely legit. Um, and then he he backed it up on today, on Sunday, as we're recording this. Fortunately, the Yankees scored no runs for him. They scored no runs for him all week. They edged out a 1-0 victory on Monday, but... He shut pretty much shut the Angels down, who's another decent hitting team. They got Trout, they got pool holes. So they have some hitters in there too, and he he looked pretty good again today.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by, by what Green has done. First of all, by pitching well against Toronto and then coming back and just kind of backing that up, I think that's one of the more important things that we were looking for. We've seen him kind of up and down in the way that he has pitched. He's pitched in the bullpen, he's pitched out of the rotation. So the fact that he came back and backed up a good start with another very good start is extremely positive for me and then Sessa Sessa was impressive that was his first major league start it was he was really good and he was showing he was showing some first of all the fastball was just popping out of his hand and it was you know 96 he's got a great fastball he's got really good movement on his uh, on his pitches and i think one of the one of the biggest contributors to these guys actually you know pitching well over the past week is is Gary Sanchez actually because this is a guy that they have comfort with you know, from pitching to him in Scranton, this is a guy that, that knows them very well. Obviously, they he knows them better than McCann or even Romine. So this is a guy they're comfortable with. And I, I really think that's important, especially for a young guy coming in, having that comfort level with a catcher and having that battery. I mean, just these guys both, you know, being being rookies, being young and coming up uh, and having worked together in a previous league, I think is extremely important. And it, it only contributes to their success. So you know, that's a really positive thing. The fact that you know these guys can can come up and pitch well in the major leagues with Sanchez as their catcher is only leading me to believe more and more and more in Gary Sanchez and the fact that he is you know going to be a very well-rounded player and probably a better catcher than I was expecting because I, I was expecting a, a bit of a deficiency from him there, but I just have not seen it.
1: It's a great point that they're able to pitch to Gary Sanchez, and that's, I think, a huge factor into why they've had some good starts. After Monday's start, Chad Green praised Gary Sanchez and his ability to call games and handle the pitching staff, and he he just felt an overall comfort with him, which you're right, I mean, Chad Green would come up to the big leagues, he'd... Look like throwing home run derby practice against Cleveland. And then he go back down to screen and pitch six shutout innings. And you Light had to up, ask yeah. yourself, what the hell's going on? Why can he be so good in AAA and so bad at the major league level? It's not. Gonna, I'm not going to credit it all to Gary Sanchez. And, or I'm not even going to credit most of it to Gary Sanchez. But he does deserve some of the credit. And you're absolutely right where he looks much better as a catcher than anyone ever thought anyone ever wrote about because the book on Sanchez was always his bat is going to play in the major leagues but we're not sure he's going to be a catcher but his arm looks fantastic and he looks like he can handle a pitching staff and if you've got those two things and he can be a uh, power a power hitting catcher that's a that's an unbelievable find prospect find by the Yankees
2: and how about that tweet? How about that tweet the other day about like I did like the, it. I did like the it. fact that that you know all the naysayers basically saying all the all the quote baseball professional analysts are the keeping us or you know making or saying that we're out of it. And uh, I guess we're just young and and dumb enough basically to to not to not understand that and believe it and just play hard. So I love it. I love his stubbornness. I love the fact that he that he puts that out there as a as a competitor. And you know he he got a hell of a lot of fans this past week with not only for his play which has been phenomenal, but the fact that he's being vocal about the fact that they're not out of it. That 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 definitely uh, gets you going. Yeah, too bad the Yankees
1: couldn't have backed up with a, a sweep of Anaheim after that tweet. But yeah. I love that they're playing the young and dumb card. I, I think that, that does play. And when we got a, a bunch, of, bunch of rookies out there, it's fun to watch. Uh, you, I mean, we see what happened this weekend with the Yankees. The worst game they looked is when they had most of the veterans in the lineup. So it, it's not a surprise that the young kids are coming up here and bringing the energy to the table. And the team is actually responding. It, it's unbelievable to see. Um, so you talked about Sessa and how he was... Impressive in his first start, and I definitely agree. I unfortunately was not able to watch the game, but I did watch the highlights. Uh, but Sessa and Green are the two guys that we got for Justin Wilson, and mm-hmm. you and I both scratch our heads for the entire first half, especially when Chase and Shreve was really struggling. That this team could really use Justin Wilson, and all we got was two pitchers that can't even pitch in the major leagues. They come up and they get shelled. Now, I'm also not going to go all the way to the other side and say that that uh, Cashman made a fantastic trade and it was a steal because the you know we still don't know but it's starting to look a lot better on that Justin Wilson trade.
2: Well, you know the premise of the Cashman trade and he said this immediately after it happened was was that he believed that we could fill the spots in the in the bullpen and fill that that role but the the most important thing was is that they needed to get some some depth in the pitching in the starting pitching in Triple A. So if things were to happen with an aging rotation, which I have to credit Cashman for seeing into the future, you know, look when you go when you start a season with Tanaka, CC Sabathia, Nova who came off of you know Tommy John surgery, uh, Evaldi who had a you know a shortened season last year. Knowing, having the foresight to to, to say, hey, we're going to need these guys because chances are we're going to hit some some hard times with health in our rotation. I got to give him a lot of credit for going out and getting that, getting these two guys for that reason alone. I mean, yes, they've panned out so far and they've, they're looking very good this past week. So, could it have been a steal? Absolutely. But you know, we've we've talked about this before, and the fact that Cashman and Girardi—they've always been able to turn. Bullpen arms out. They've always been able to to deep, you know, either look in their system or go out and make a trade and and get bullpen arms. They've always had a good eye for that. That's one area that I think this team has excelled in. And the fact that they, you know, they got rid of Justin Wilson, really, I think, it is at the highest value for him because he put, he had a great year last year and got in return two starting pitchers that were AAA, but on the cusp of of making the majors. And now we're seeing the pan out. It, it was a good move and foresight. Being 2020, obviously, it was a tremendous move because of all of the injuries we've seen now. So, and if you look at the rotation, what it is for the rest of the year, these two guys are locked in for the rest of the year.
1: They're going to get every opportunity to pitch for the rest of the year, and a big reason on that is you mentioned his name, Nathan Avaldi. We might have seen the last time he pitched in Yankee
2: pinstripes. Oh because, okay, man, and I know you're sad about that, right? It's tremendous. It's it's unbelievable what, what's what's happened with him. The you know, the peaks and valleys with this guy, I think will go down as one of the uh one of the the biggest conundrums that I've seen in, a, in quite some time with a pitcher. Yeah,
1: it was quite so was the peak was May of 2016 and the one rest more valleys.
2: No, what are you talking about? He won <laughs> how many games last year? 15, 16. Oh, I don't care
1: about those wins. The bulk of those What a beautiful what a beautiful
2: looking record. What a yes, it was a looking. great
1: looking record, and then you look and it was five and a third innings every time.
2: So. Nobody will remember I that. I can't have this argument again. I really can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll look back in five years. it <laughs> look at his record. Nobody will remember the other games. Uh, yeah, like Aaron Small. Just
1: look at his record: ten and zero. He looked. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> didn't didn't matter the fact that the Yankees were scoring eleven runs a game for him.
2: Again, don't remember that. I just remember he was uh, didn't didn't lose. I remember that.
1: Avaldi. Well will miss the rest of 2016 and possibly all of 2017 because he has a torn flexor tendon and a partial UCL tear, which means he's not only going to have surgery to fix the tendon, but also a second Tommy John surgery. He had it when he was a teenager. So the recovery is longer than the 12-ish months that it takes now most guys. It's more like 12 to possibly 18 months because of the double surgery and also the second Tommy John surgery that's why we're, we could have seen the last of Evaldi in pinstripes because he's a free agent after 2017.
2: I feel like we got to make a PSA at this point because I, you know I, when this when this happened and I was I was looking up just the amount of surgeries that are happening and I forget oh I was watching the Little League World Series that's what it was and they were talking about the kids and how much they're pitching and things like this. Parents, if you're out there and you're, and your parent and your kids are good at baseball please let them play other sports let them play other sports and don't let them throw every single month all year round on all these travel teams because this is what's happening we're seeing this it's i think in in 5 to 10 years this is going to be such a big problem with the amount of injuries that pitchers are going to have because there is so much just just you know the amount of uh, volume that these kids are throwing every single year. Their arms are not fully developed. They're not ready for it. They're just, their bodies can't handle it. And when they get older, there's they, you know, you start seeing things give out. It's crazy how, how this is happening. And the fact that he had surgery, I think he had surgeries. It was his sophomore or junior year in high school. Like that's crazy. People are just doing it to get for preventative reasons at this point. Yeah, and body's not even grown at that point. No, it's not. I mean, there's there's so many people that are still growing into college that your your body first, and it's completely unnatural motion. It's like the ridiculous amount of torque and just you know discomfort, or just a a ridiculous a lot of um, force on your arm that's not supposed to be there. So I don't know. Watching the Little League World Series, and I understand like the one big thing we're going to get on. I'm getting on a total rant here, but I understand there's so many politics and baseball when you're a kid and if you don't play in those travel teams and you don't play on those year-round ball you won't get a look for like the school teams it happens all the time i see it happening here and it's a shame because these kids can not only become better athletes but for the long term better baseball players if they do not play all year round and we're gonna see this happen more often that's why i think that brian cashman to his credit again you know, he was going after prospects who were position players. These guys have—they're a lot safer at this point. These pitchers—you go after these big these pitchers—and you give up the farm for a one pitcher, and he gets hurt, which is a very good potential or possibility now. Then, then you're screwed. So, you know, the fact that these guys are just dropping like flies—it's—it's it's definitely a concern, and it's not going away. It's—it's it's only going to get worse as these kids start getting older.
1: Evaldi looked like a
2: safe bet when you—they traded for him out of Florida because he was a
1: 200-inning guy. He was a Texas pitcher with a Nolan Ryan mentality, so you figured he was going to want to be able to pitch up to 200 innings a year, but it just does it doesn't work out that way. It's like you said these these pitching prospects and these pitchers are so fragile at this point. And there's a chance he probably could have needed Tommy John surgery in September of last year and right. he was just able to he didn't pitch again after his injury in September, so the whole off season he was able to rest enough where he could pitch again in 2016. But it took five months, and his arm gave out. So
2: I saw I saw Rich Kaufman was tweeting about one of these uh, when Evaldi went down. I mean, he, the dude was still throwing 92 miles an hour. You know when this was yeah, basically when, when his no arm tendon. was jacked up. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. So. Yeah, you almost the, the scouts almost have to start going like you know to the to middle school, high school to find out how much these guys have been throwing for their entire career to get a full book on what their arm looks like. It's it, that's just that's the way it's going because of the amount of stress that is going on these guys' arms. It's cra- It's it's unbelievable. And I, I really you know five ten years this is going to be it's going to become a very very big problem. So let's play the game, setting up the 2017 Yankees starting
1: rotation. It no longer has Nathan Avaldi's name in it. We're having guys like Tanaka, Pineda, Cece, probably still, and then there's a bunch of question marks like Chad Green and Luis Sessa and Severino. Maybe Brian Mitchell can come back, but the, this does severely impact the rotation outlook for the Yankees next season.
2: I mean, no doubt. There's there's a there's a lot of question marks going into the season with the starting pitching, and I think that's the one area in this. In the franchise, if you if you look up and down the minor leagues, yes, we've we've gotten a lot better with the position players, and I, I'd even say in the bullpen with these trades that Cashman's made recently. But the the starting rotation has definitely you know taken a step back with with all the things that have happened with Evaldi and obviously trading Nova. Not Not to say that he was in the in the cards for the future because he wasn't, but. <clears throat> There's there's a lot of question marks and guys like Green and Sessa are going to have the opportunity of a lifetime this year to prove that they can do it because Severino, while he had that opportunity, he, he blew that opportunity as of right now. He, I mean, he's he just there's no other explanation other than the fact that he just didn't take advantage of it, and and he couldn't back up what he did at the end of last year.
1: Yeah, he was so bad they had no choice but to send him down. Right. It's not even. You know know they hated bringing
2: him back up at like the next day or (laughs) the next day after. After,
1: Yeah, he was. He's been sent down four times. He never actually made it one of those times back down to Scranton. He never appeared in a game for them. He came immediately back after the Ivaldi injury, but he was so bad in Boston, and then he got a second chance. He got a mulligan because of the injury to Ivaldi, and he pitched against Tampa who's a really bad offensive team. I think they're 13 out of 15 in the league for runs scored, and he got absolutely crushed. It's not even like he was mediocre and they could justify giving him another start. He was so bad they had to send him back down. And he goes out in his first start for Scranton, and I guess the numbers aren't that bad, three earned runs and five and a third innings, but he did did give up 10 hits. And it's just one of those things that you... You wonder how he was so successful at the end of last year. I understand he was a young pitcher and hitters didn't see him. But the difference between how good he was last year and how bad he was this year, you can't just answer with guys haven't seen him. What else is going on there? Is it a mental thing? Is it simply that he just doesn't have the feel for his slider? What is it? I'm a little afraid that it's a mental thing like you just said
2: yes to it's between the ears there's there's just no doubt about it and i think that was one of the big things i was looking last year at the end of the year one of my highest compliments for him was that he has it between the ears and he looks like he has the makeup of a major league pitcher because at that time he did look like he had the makeup of a major league pitcher he looked like he was a guy that was out there and just you know didn't you know no, no moment was too big for him and this year you know whether you're you listen to to david Cohen talking about you know, Gir- or Girardi talking about him with the uh, with the changeup, him not throwing the changeup enough down in the zone, and when his slider's not on, he's just throwing that fastball, and guys are sitting on it. And you just, you know, if, if you're only commanding one of two pitches that you're throwing, you get, you're in for a long day. When you don't have that third pitch that you feel comfortable with to to go to on a day where you know either your one or two is not working, then you have problems. Especially when you get into the second and third time through the uh, through the lineup. So this guy's got to become more of a complete pitcher. And between the ears. He's kinda I I don't know, you know, I think that's... See, to me, when you lose confidence, you don't get the feel for a pitch th- at this point in your career, it's mental. It really is. I-, I don't know how you can just lose the feel for a pitch. Remember, I remember when Ivaldi was saying that. It was baffling my brain. And I just don't buy that as an excuse. I think it's a mental state, and you're just not able to execute. And that's a problem.
1: Well, Pineda lost the feel for his slider within at-bats. He would lose it on two strikes. He would hang it.
2: So... But that's, see, that's the thing. I feel like you're just not executing what you're supposed to do. I don't, I just don't know how you lose your feel. I can understand you losing the feel for a pitch for a a day, okay? Like, or, you know, for a given start or a small portion of time. But the fact that you just can't get it back again just doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't get that. Like, this is your one job. Get the get the fuel back. Like, yeah, you can have a bad day. I get it. You know, maybe I I don't know. Something was going on. There was there was there was something else that that was occurring. You're you're you're, you didn't have the right amount of moisture on your fingers. I don't know what the hell. It was a hot day. It was a cold day, whatever. Get it back. That's what you do. That's your job. Get it back. If you can't get it back, then I have very, very big problems. And I'm concerned with your long term outlook.
1: At this point, he's still in their plans for the future, but I, I feel like that's fading extremely quickly.
2: He's—I mean, if if you asked Brian Cashman today, who his odds-on favorite are going to be in the rotation next year, Severino's in that list. He's in that list because I believe they have the confidence that he's going to bounce back, or at least that's what they'll say to us. So. He's there. He just needs to take advantage of it and, and stop sucking because he's doing this to himself. He's getting every opportunity. Right, you know the organization. I'm wants writing
1: that it. down. Severino, stop sucking. Stop uh, sucking. The, I'll make yeah. sure to tell him that.
2: He needs to write that on the, on the mirror and, and, st- and do like, the A-Rod picture every day and just stare at that.
1: <laughs> it's like how the Yankees used to touch the sign of uh, the good Lord made me a Yankee on the yeah, way exactly. out to the field. He should just touch a sign, don't suck.
2: Above his door every day, don't suck today. Boom. <laughs> On Today's tw- a great day not to suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter, I got some people asking about uh, left-hander in the minors for the Yankees. I'm going to butcher his first name. Is it Dietrich or Dietrich? Ends. I'm pretty sure it's Dietrich. Dietrich ends. Dietrich ends. ends. Okay. Yes. I knew nothing about this guy other than the fact that his stats look really, really good. And I, his stats look phenomenal when you dig into it. He has, a, he's got a 1.62 ERA and 128 innings pitched this year. Thirteen and four record in twenty two starts. He's twenty five years old. That's between Trenton and Scranton. Those numbers, without knowing anything else about him, is a top pitching prospect. Then you look at him. He's twenty five years old. He tops out in the high eighties. He's a no, low, he tops out in the low nineties. Okay. Well, I've read I, one one scouting report I read on him was that he he lives in the eighty six to eighty eight range. Okay. And he's a, he's a location guy. He mixes up his changeup and his, and his curveball and his slider. And he's a smart pitcher, which is, I think, one of the reasons why he has dominated probably aggressive hitters in the minors. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that plays in the major leagues, but given those stats, you would think they would give him a chance because he's done everything within his power to be called up to the next level.
2: Right. And, and a guy like that who has just the you know complete command of all of his pitches to me is is exciting because i think this league is so much of a fastball hitting league and you see you know we're seeing home run numbers up as you as you had mentioned in the past and we're also seeing strikeout numbers big time up because i think there's so many fastball sitting Hitters now, and these guys are just geared up for you know high nineties, and that's not that, that's not phasing anybody anymore. When they have a guy come in and just throws complete junk, and is locating that junk, and then can spot a you know a ninety mile an hour fastball, that that's gonna play like more like a ninety five mile an hour fastball if you're if you're on your toes and you know you're you're out in front and looking for something off speed. So, I think if this guy. I mean, granted, he could be a four A pitcher as well. Who knows? He, the the real test would happen if he came up. But it's interesting to see because I think he can play. Who's the guy on uh, on Toronto? That he's a little older. I can't think of his name. He's the starting pitcher. He he throws same like very Hap. very similar. You're not thinking of Hap, are you? Well, Jay, he's a he's a he's a lefty as well. Yeah, Hap doesn't throw that hard. John ja Hap. No, I'm thinking of another guy who's a right handed pitch uh, right handed pitcher. I don't know. I, I can't think of it. Not Stroman, but it's. Anyway, anyway, there's a there's a the Toronto pitcher. I'll I'll get it as soon as we nice probably end there. the show. Thank you. The yeah, uh, well, hey, Jamie
1: Moyer lived throwing junk for 25 years in the major. There's
2: leagues. a lot of guys that, that have lived that way. I mean, Mike Bucena was a guy that threw 90 miles an hour and was able to spot. Look at, I mean, you're going to extremes. I understand, but Maddox was a guy who was able to you know forge an entire career out of locating. Breaking news,
1: you heard it here first. Dietrich Ends is the next Greg Maddox. <laughs>
2: It's possible. You never know. Let this kid have a chance. We'll see. I think I know. Does he wear glasses? That would be even better. Need some glasses or some tape in the middle. I was watching
1: because we went to the Steiner Sports event on Monday, and I was all jacked up about the 96 team. I rewatched the 96 World Series video, and yeah, Maddox was just so nerdy looking, and he would just shove the bats down your throat. It was unbelievable. You know, he, I forgot this. He won
2: four straight Cy Young Awards. Wow. Their pitchers, their pitching staff in the 90s was ridiculous. They should have won way more than they did. One World Series is an underachievement. Oh, big time. With that pitching staff, it was filthy. Getting back on track. Uh, That 96, we'll stay off track for a second because that 96 video was amazing. Oh,
1: it's my favorite one. If if we're ranking the World Series videos, I had them all on VHS. It goes 96. Then I think it goes 2,000 because we beat the Mets. Then ninety eight and then ninety nine. I didn't really, I wasn't really a huge fan of the ninety nine one.
2: No, well, I like the ninety six one just because it's got like all the cheesy stuff too, like in the, all oh, yeah. the intros, and you even got the guys meeting at the bat, which was awesome. And there's just, there's just a whole ton, a, a lot of really, really good like B roll stuff too.
1: Well, that was definitely the best World Series of the late nineties. The rest Marco Estrada's just uh, dominated. Marco Estrada, you got there. Thank you. Whew. <laughs> Does that allow us to get back on track?
2: Kind of. It's, that was driving me nuts. But that's a dude who has you know some decent success. that does not throw hard at all. I mean he's he's living under ninety miles an hour. I'd say, and just frustrates the living hell out of people. So that that's a guy who, what last year I'm looking up his numbers right now, was uh, in the major leagues, thirteen wins, eight losses through a three point one three ERA, uh, and and doesn't really sniff ninety miles an hour very often. So it's possible.
1: It's certainly possible, but I think he will have a look next spring training to make the starting rotation. It's going to be a lot of new faces, I think, in the starting rotation next year. Um, We kind of knew what we had going into this year. The only question was really that fifth starter spot between CeCe and Nova. But I think there's going to be two, possibly three rotation spots open for next season. Um, All right, let's get into some mailbag questions. I want to mention them now. Because they are specifically talking about the Yankees catching situation. The first one comes from Jared from Long Island, and he says, What do you think the future looks like for Austin, Romine, and Tyler Austin? Romine will have to compete with Sanchez and McCann for a job. Austin will have to compete with Bird at first base. Do you see any possible trades or position moving involved these two involved with these two? Thanks for taking my question. Love the show and keep being awesome. And then the next one is from Judah. And he says, with Gary Sanchez being named the Yankees starting catcher, what is the future of Brian McCann with the Yankees? So we kind of touched on how good Sanchez looked. But it definitely creates a situation for the Yankees and Brian McCann. And that's what I wrote about on Friday. And I kind of feel like the writing is on the wall for Brian McCann, whether he's going to be traded in the next 10 days or it's going to be in the offseason. season. I'm actually now starting to believe he is not going to be on the team next year.
2: Now, is this a, is this something that you want to see cuz we've we've really gone into this and, yeah. and we've, we we've talked about how how there is a role for him moving forward if you were to be on this team.
1: I thought about it a little bit. So, what I didn't want them to do is pay half of his salary for him to go catch somewhere else. Right. As I thought about it a little bit more and I'm realizing that the Yankees actually don't have a huge need at catcher and first base next year because I think uh, a combination of Sanche- uh, Sanchez, I almost said Sanchez, God
2: damn. You did say You did say it.
1: I've been seeing it on Twitter a lot, and I hate it because— It's driving
2: you crazy because of Mark Sanchez. Yes, yeah.
1: and he's terrible, and I do not want Gary Sanchez to turn into that. Between Gary Sanchez <laughs> and Austin Romine, I think the Yankees' catching situation next year is going to be pretty damn good. And I think between Greg Bird and either, or a combination of both Ref Snyder and Tyler Austin, the first base situation can be pretty good. That means Brian McCann is a DH. And while his offensive numbers look good as a catcher, they don't really look that good as a DH. I looked up some stats and he has a 727 OPS over the, basically since he came to the Yankees. That ranks for all full-time DHs over the last two and a half years, ninth out of 10th. But if you look at it from a catching perspective, he's in the upper third of the league, and he's ahead of guys like Salvador Perez and Yadier Molina, as far as OPS goes, two of the better catchers, all-star catchers in the league. Um, So I just don't think his numbers, his offensive production, really translates to being a DH. And if he's not going to be catching twice a week or playing first base twice a week, I'm actually not sure they have
2: huge value for him on the team next year. Well, I'll play devil's advocate to that, only because I think the value with him. I mean, DH. If you look at now, now the the situation has completely cleared up with with Tashera. Obviously, we know coming off the books, and Alex Rodriguez down on the team. DH is an interesting spot because we don't have one, right? We don't we don't really have a, a designated hitter at this point. It's it's going to be a a role that will be a, a revolving door, basically, of of guys getting days off or just you know a half of a day off for Girardi to give a guy. So there's an interesting spot for, I think, McCann at that point. The, the other thing is that Tyler Austin also has flexibility to play other positions. He's not only a first baseman. He's played third. He could play outfield. He's got flexibility in that sense, too. So by having McCann still on the team and giving you flexibility at catcher, you know, God forbid an injury happens. You have another guy there who can play catcher, uh, a guy who could play first base. And then, you know, maybe maybe it is a full-time designated hitter. And who's to say that? When Brian McCann is not catching every day and all he's doing is hitting, that's his job, that's his only job, that his numbers aren't going to spike because that's the only thing he really has to focus on at this point. You know, I think I heard reports today just him getting more into into a DH rotation because that's where he's been over the past week, two weeks and he's getting you know to feel more comfortable. He's he's had some some good success I think in the past couple of days, uh, over the past week he's had some big hits. So who knows, maybe he slots into that role and starts evolving as a designated hitter because it is a position I think you have to get used to.
1: It's absolutely a position you have to get used to. Arod, it took him a while to get used to full-time DH. Uh, Beltron, same thing, and it and it worked out really well for both of those guys for at least last year and this year for Beltron. Maybe it will happen with McCann, but what if it doesn't? What if he continues to be a seven thirty OPS guy? Are you okay living with that at, at DH next year?
2: I, I you know I think that's just a situation where you know if it, if it starts if if he if he gets out cold if he, he's a guy that is not contributing and not to mention I, I do believe that he's a leader on that clubhouse and I think he can do a lot of good for the the young guys too because I. Th- as much as we want to all, you know, to go young on every position, it's extremely important. And by talking to these 96 guys, you know this too. Then they were the, one of the biggest reasons they said they had such such success is because all those young guys were surrounded by veterans who had been there, done that, and were and played a very big role in getting them acclimated to the major leagues and help them taking the next step. And I think Brian McCann is that type of guy, that gritty clubhouse guy who can who can also help, you know. Uh, be a, a mentor for a lot of these guys not only hitting but catching and just being you know in the major leagues I think he can help in that in that way as well and then you know I do believe he can contribute so you know I'm, I'm not opposed to him being on the team I'm totally fine with him being on the team next year if you get if you get something that's that's significant value which I don't see happening no. at this point or even in the offseason then I'm totally fine with him being on the team well, they just
1: seem like they're trying to dump salary. That's that seems to be the general consensus around getting rid I, of but, a but lot of but these. But they're not going to dump
2: the salary. That's the thing, right? Like, you, I don't won't think dump you truly... all of it.
1: I kind of yeah, even I, even a lot of it. I kind of figured that. I think a team would probably ask them to pick up about twelve million over the remaining years of the contract, which is two more years guaranteed, because that would bring his annual value down to about ten to twelve million bucks, which is more in line with what catchers of his quality make he's making 17 million dollars a year that's that's way too much for him way too much for a dh who can only have a 720 ops um another thing to think about is the fact that he has a vesting option in his contract for 2019 that only gets picked up if he catches 90 games in 2018 that is absolutely not going to happen with the yankees so maybe he'll want a trade so that option can be picked up
2: yeah, all good points. It's all good points uh, with this guy. 2018, him catching is is very much up in the air. I think at all, at this point, if I mean, he's traded to. Years. I,
1: I think if he's traded to another team, that's he could very easily catch ninety games.
2: Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of good things surrounding him. I mean, there's there's just so many different options. I guess I'm just on the on the on the side of that I'm not going to be upset if he's on the team because I do believe he can he can still get value. And I don't think he's the problem by any means on on this team moving oh. forward. I don't think he's he's not stopping anybody at this point, right? He's not he's not holding anybody's spot for for moving up. We we know now that Sanchez is going to be the guy moving forward and that McCann would really just be in a role to assist wherever he needed. You know, he would be in a flex a flexible role for next year. So it's uh, it's interesting, and you I know agree. how Girardi loves his vets, man. You know he, he needs he needs at least one of those guys he can uh, he can talk about and, and and covet. So, they're they're all they're going away fast. What's his nickname for Brian McCann? Is it Mac or is it? I think it's Mac. McCanny? I think it is Mac. He doesn't go McCanny. He
1: <laughs> I heard go, on the pregame today. He,
2: Mackie Mackie.
1: He I don't uh know. he shortened or he. What do you think he changed Louis Sess's name to? Louis. Nope. Sess. C- Sess, okay. He couldn't even, he couldn't go that extra syllable to pronounce the A.
2: It's a lot. You get it, sess, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a lot. He
1: saves a lot of time over the it course does. of a year.
2: It takes, it takes a lot out of you to go to that extra vowel and then come back from that vowel to go somewhere else. It's a lot. I
1: agree with your point on that I would not be upset if he's on the team next year. I'm just kind of thinking about it logically and kind of reading the writing on the wall with what I think this, the direction of this team and... I, I don't see him on the team next year is what I'm saying.
2: So who's the DH next year then?
1: Who knows? That they, they, uh, A rotation of guys.
2: See, but that that can be a problem, I think. Just like we talked about the fact that, you know, on your day off, you want to rest the guy if he uh, has a day off. Him going into just a, you know, changing changing a... Uh, a position player's roll up on a given day where he doesn't go out to the field and then he's just taking at bats can really throw a guy off. I think when they're when they're in such a routine. So I really, especially Girardi being the guy, the manager that he is, I really think they're going to want a DH, a full time DH, and I think it's going to be Brian McCann. Now, the more I talk about it, the more I think he's got a role on this team. It, I
1: mean, yes, that that is entirely possible, and it, and if, I would love that if his offensive numbers could. Creep up a little bit over the next month and a half when he's full time DHing. Maybe he can learn to be a DH because it's not easy when you when you sit on the bench cold for for most of the game.
2: You got to figure he's going to be a little bit more fresh. His legs will be under him just because he's not catching. So that he should he should be more fresh at least for you know just taking the at bat. So it could be a good thing for him. Maybe it extends his career. So getting back to some of the
1: the questions that that Jared and Judah asked, uh, let's talk about Sanchez. And we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but here's some stats for you through 16 games, which he played today as well. He didn't have a hit today, but through 16 games, he has 22 hits, six home runs and 12 RBIs. And I looked up they have home run tracker and they show all the distances of his home runs. His average home run goes 418 feet, which is Kelsey. crushed. The guy has unreal power. He not only hit the back wall at Fenway park, on his first home run, he put one in the second deck at Yankee Stadium, down the left field line. He's putting a couple uh, into the bullpen and into Monument Park. So the power is is definitely, definitely everything we heard of, and he he really backs up the name the Kraken because the ball does jump off of his bat.
2: Yeah, and and. <clears throat> The fact that he's been contributing behind the plate too. I mean, today throwing out Trout with, I mean, he threw him. He threw him out by can we talk about a that step though? and a half?
1: That was the worst slide into second base on a stolen base attempt I've ever seen.
2: Okay, fine, but the ball beat him by you know a, a solid amount. <laughs> he so, slid uh, like fifteen feet
1: in front of the bag towards center field.
2: What was he that? Barely, he probably Mike Trout's a smart guy. He probably saw that he was getting beat and he was going to do something acrobatic, but then just gave up at the last second, realizing that he was beat. Yeah,
1: Sanchez's arm is filthy. It, it's got a Molina-like armor. He can snap throw it from his knees.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's impressive. It's not something I really thought was coming up, and we didn't and now really we have read a lot
1: about that. None of the I guess none of the yeah. stuff about him was about his throwing arm, and I don't know how it couldn't have been because, other than his home run power, that's been the second most spectacular
2: thing about his play so far. Yeah, he just looks so confident out there too. I mean, just just the the facial expressions, the body language. The guy looks and knows that he belongs there, and that this is his time. And he's been working his butt off since he's what sixteen when he came up, or when he came over to the organization. He I mean, this is a guy a that
1: international free agent at sixteen.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. So you know, all his whole his whole basically childhood has been a culmination and leading up to this point, and he's delivering. I mean, he's ready for it, and he looks like the real deal, and. It's just another, another guy to be excited about for the Yankees moving forward.
1: Did you see that, that fun stat that he is only the third Yankee to have five home runs through, 15, through his first 15 games of his Yankees career, joining the elite list of Shelly Duncan and Steve Whitaker?
2: Man, I love Shelly Duncan. Shelly Duncan's facial expressions when he would hit a home run were amazing. <laughs> I was shocked. He would be, I would say he's list. the anti-Teshera the anti facial expressions. Shelly? Oh, yeah. Just like pure, pure exuberance. I loved it.
1: Uh, Also on that list, who had four through his first 15
2: games, was Jesus Montero. Oof. What a fall from grace that kid had. I mean, grace has just a hype. There was real no... There was. I guess he had a good AAA career. Do you remember, though, how uncomfortable behind the plate he looked? We were
1: saying that maybe he can catch a little bit and be a DH because he looks so uncomfortable behind the plate. And think about how confident... Gary Sanchez looks behind the plate. It's just oh, it's, it's such a difference. It's such a difference. So, um, very excited
2: about him. He's another one of those guys, those that would drive me nuts. Him, he would He ran like a rod, and it would and it used to drive me crazy. Like his heel never touched the ground. Can't stand that.
1: It's the little things in life that you gotta you gotta get through on a on a long hundred sixty two game
2: major league season. You can't can't be annoyed by how your catcher runs. I can't. I no. I'm sorry, but I, I cannot. I don't trust you. If your heel doesn't touch the ground, that's that's one of my, along with underscores on your Twitter handle. If your heel doesn't touch the ground, can't trust you.
1: Can you give me a break on that? Considering I made <laughs> it back in 2010.
2: No, I, this is going to keep going. It's still there. I'm no still. No one looking knew at how it.
1: to make a Twitter handle back in 2010. Don't you think I would have chosen my name if I could go back I can't, and do it all? Over? I can't
2: even see it when it's underlined. I don't even know what it is. What is there? A space in your name? It's weird.
1: I think what it's do I, what distinctive.
2: Do, I, just pause? do I, I pause at that point?
1: I think it's distinctive. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Tanaka, who had a very good start against Anaheim over the weekend. And um, we were, I was, I wanted, I've been wanting to talk about Tanaka for a couple weeks at this point, just haven't had a chance. But he had those bad starts around the trade deadline after the Yankees traded everybody away. It was in city field, and he had a, a horrible start against the Mets. And, at that point, I was, I, was, I was so fed up with Tanaka because he is not the ace that he's, he's built up to be. But then you go and you look at his stats, and they're great. And he's one of the top pitchers in the league, so he's kind of like an anomaly where every big game that comes along, I have no confidence in him. But then if I go to his baseball reference page and I look, he ranks in the top five for, for most pitching stats.
2: Yeah, but that's, I mean, you're saying this right now, but you also know that if there's a big game, you know what you're kind of getting from him because this is exactly what we thought when we had that one game in Houston. We thought he was going to give up three runs, maybe six innings, right? It would keep us in the game. That was our overwhelming that was our overwhelming thought for what was going to happen in that game. And it was something very similar. It wasn't going to be shut out. He wasn't going to shut the other team out, but he was going to keep us in the game the entire time. And that's what he does. But over the past, I had Justin put this stat in here, by the way, just for you, uh, about the seven starts. The fact that his, over his, uh, his last, I saw this on, I think Yes tweeted it out, but over his last seven starts, he struck out 44, walked five, holding batters to a 222 average uh, batting average again. So he's been good. And I think he's been only getting. Better as the season goes on. I mean, is that is that fair to say? Because he's been he's been good over his last seven starts. I mean, very good.
1: If you had to go into a game seven, do or die, how confident are you that Tanaka is going to win you the game? One Again, one to
2: ten. How how I, confident are you? I I, what, I mean, define win the game. I think he's going to keep you in the game. I, I have the same exact thought. I don't think he's going to get. I think he's he's going to give an opportunity for the team to win.
1: I see I, I'm getting less and less confident in him. Every time I feel like they've had a big game this season, whether it was that game in Houston when they were trying to sweep the Astros or it was that game against the Mets when they had just traded people away and they had some young kids in the lineup and he and he was at City Field and he got shelled.
2: I, I I see I don't put those I don't definitely don't put those in, in the same ballpark of, of having a big game in the playoffs to win. Because I think when those types of games come about, he does buckle down and he does pitch a lot better. And I think he keeps you in the game. I mean, I'm I'm like eight nine confident that he's gonna that he's gonna keep you in the game and give you an opportunity to win in a big game. It's
1: more than me. I'm I'm fifty fifty on this guy. What he's got. Oh do. come
2: on. There's no way 50-50 at this point. It,
1: that's how I feel. That's that's after I've watched him for what's this, third season at this point. I, I just feel like he's gotten worse every year.
2: I don't know. He seems to be getting better as the season goes on now. So, you know, maybe by the end of the year there's there's not gonna be uh, much to say about that because while his win loss record isn't there, I mean we know we can't really look at that because of this way this team has played all year. Yeah, but, I throw
1: a win loss record out.
2: Yeah, so I mean we start look at the second half and and maybe maybe this is a guy who's uh, who's getting stronger and you know getting maybe the elbow was lingering at some point and this is something it's not really an issue anymore and he has confidence in throwing that splitter a lot more often or I don't know I don't I know what to like say. He's, it, but he's
1: a tease every time he seems to be on a good stretch he goes out into in a game and. And you, you, you come out in the fifth inning and he's given, up, he's given up five runs.
2: Yeah, but seven starts is a, is a, is a good... It's a good amount of It's time. a good bulk amount of... It's a good amount of uh, starts to look at with, with success. So it's all positive at this point.
1: Well, you know what's going to happen next year as long as he doesn't get injured is opt out of his contract, which he can right. do. So I mean, with the way that starting pitching has been getting paid, yes, he's going to opt out. Well, he's already making $22 million a year. So it's not like he he's to- getting paid pennies. But he has an opt-out clause after 2017... Which I'm sure he's going to take advantage of. He's only 27 years old, so he's definitely going to take advantage of it, and he's going to want the Yankees to extend him just like they extended CC Sabathia. And I just think it's a slippery slope with him.
2: Yeah, no. I, so that well, at least there's a good uh, another positive for going into next year is that it's essentially a contract year for him. So yeah.
1: that's that's <laughs> that good. Is true. Just so so he'll uh, he'll pitch that 190 200 innings that we have not seen him even sniff. The Yankees will re-sign him to like a two or three year extension, and he'll suck.
2: Overall, if you're looking at him as a guy that has been signed, you know, just the signing overall, I mean, he's been a positive sign. The guy has not been a a bad sign by any means. I think he
1: he he came out of the gate so hot and I just think that he has slowly tapered off since that first half.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you think there's Contributing factors to that with the elbow and the fact that, you know, maybe it is getting stronger and stronger as he gets further away from, you know, some of those DL stints because he's been pretty, pretty durable this year. I mean, I think this is one of the guys that if we're looking back at the season, the way it's gone, you know, when if you're thinking about the way we talked about the season, we we, we definitely thought there would be an extended period of time where he'd be out. And the fact that he's been as durable as he has, I think has been a very big positive because, I mean, if you look at the, what the starting pitching has been over the past, I mean, just look back, you know, his last seven starts. If you look at that time frame, starting pitching is pretty bad. So he's been a crucial part to, you know, at least keep this team within a, you know, a stone's throw of that second wildcard spot.
1: It's only August 21st. There's still time yeah. for him to go on the DL. This is true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the fact that they're in a stone's throw of that second wild card. They're now four and a half games back, and Seattle and Kansas City are both on fire right now. Uh, also ahead of the Yankees are Detroit and a combination of Boston and Baltimore or Detroit or uh, Toronto. So obviously they have to jump over at least two of the teams in their own division if they do want to make the the uh, the wild card. So. Uh, Right now, as it stands, though, the Yankees are four and a half games, as I said, and Kansas City just jumped over them today. But the good news is they do have games on the schedule against teams ahead of them. They've got three against Seattle this week. They've got three against Kansas City next week. And they've got, for the rest of the season, nine more against Baltimore, seven more against Boston, and seven more against Toronto. So it is doable for them making the playoffs in the sense that they're playing the teams they need to beat. I don't think it's doable because I don't think they're good enough. But it's not like they need a miracle to happen where other teams need to beat the teams they're chasing. They can beat them and then jump over them that way.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad that we're playing these teams because we're we're getting a basically simulated Extremely important games. I mean, there's so if you if you if you take an average Yankees fan, the fact that you act there if you think there's a legit shot for them making the playoffs, you'll probably go, I don't know, maybe 50 50. Some people are just all in, and the fact 50-50? that the clubhouse, yeah, because people think I think it's 50 50? I, I no, no, no. I think 50 50 with the fans you talk to, with the, uh-huh. the amount of fans that think there's still an opportunity, and the amount of fans that like you, Got who it. just you think the world is ending, right? So I'm on the side where I still, I still think there's an opportunity got to put together i think a, a long winning streak i think that's the key is to, is to put out you know a, a streak kind of like what what um kansas city how many of kansas city won? or they've won a, a lot they've, a row, they've right? won something
1: crazy like over the last 25 games i think i saw it's like uh 18 of their last yeah. 25 or so something there needs like
2: to that. be there needs to be some kind of a, a miraculous streak like that i think because if you're going you know even two out of three winning in these you got to sweep a few series along the way that's why today i think that it was, was huge a, today with missed opportunity such a missed opportunity anaheim is 20 games out of their division
1: they're a bad team they've got two good hitters on that team and the yankees couldn't take advantage they had a great pitching performance by sessa and the offense just was totally flat they had chances in the, in the middle of that game they only got one hit with runners in scoring position and it didn't even score a run and it, you look at the lineup card, and Girardi had Judge on the bench and Tyler Austin on the bench. And I understand that he doesn't want to burn these guys out, and they've got to go to Seattle right away. They have no off days. But they just had an off day on Thursday, right? Why could—these guys just rested. They're 24-year-old rookies. They want to play. Put your best team on the field. I don't I don't need to see Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner and Brian McCann and Chase Headley and Mark Teixeira in the lineup. We know that lineup stinks. We've seen that lineup stink for hundred and ten games this season. We don't need to keep seeing it.
2: Yeah, that was my <laughs> and Terence Tira- has been hot. I mean, this kid Tiraeus has been had his
1: first yeah. career home run. He's Let been the having the play. week of his
2: life. Yeah, he's been having the week of his life. So the fa- and the fact that Headley's been banged up. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Got to play him. I think you're resting Headley until until Tiraeus is just kind of cools down because he he's been playing really well, and you know the fact that. That uh, Aaron Judge comes in with a big hit, then he gets uh, then he gets sad. So yeah, there's some there's some questioning questioning Maybe, Girardi's. Uh, I know the, Girardi's pitcher lineup today, decisions.
1: the pitcher today was Chassin or Chessa. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, with a five ERA, five he, ERA. He's, five a, he's in. a sinker ball righty, so they wanted to get lefties in the lineup. But I, I honestly don't care. Put the guys who are the playing the best on the field at this point in time.
2: Yeah, Tishair was making some horrible faces today too. I, bat, I was I just like, I can't wait till that's gone. He's
1: probably constipated because so, he's on the road. You know, sometimes people when they travel, that happens.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the, especially when you're not getting uh, any any uh, glucose. It's <laughs> tough, or gluten in his diet. It's, it's yeah, tough.
1: glucose is not gluten.
2: Glucose is totally different. <laughs> not even remotely the same thing. But the fa- the fact of the matter is, I would rather see Rob Refsteiner up taking that at bat over. Over Mark Teixeira at this point, in all honesty. Give me, give me him.
1: They, give me him the Mark Teixeira farewell tour. Didn't you see the Angels put a nice message on the scoreboard today? Thank well, you, yeah, Mark he, Teixeira. Congratulations on a great career.
2: Yeah, he played there, so they're going to get that. He's going to get he one of those. he there for two that. months. That's fine, but he played there. He's part of their history. It's the
1: Mark Teixeira farewell tour.
2: I'm sure there were some Teixeira jerseys. Did you see the jerseys? Angels gave him? No.
1: Nah, they, they,
2: they gave him something? No. Oh,
1: you know he hit 358 in that second half for them?
2: Yeah, it was that that was pre-shifting, right? That was Joe Madden was not the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays at that point. I would put my money on that.
1: He, he took him to the World Series that year.
2: Oh, well. So, Rob Refsteiner, I, I bring his name up because I want to talk about him. Yes, if that's okay with you? Because hey, now, that I'm I'm Voldy, now that I'm losing a down for a little now that I'm losing a for the next two years, I got and is down in AAA. I'm lost. I don't even know who the hell to get onto. I mean, everybody's on the Sanchez and and Judge train. I mean, obviously I'm there, but I'm not. I'm not like leading the charge like right. I was. Right, you
1: like to I feel, hop onto I, the players that maybe are second. They're, yeah. they're not everyone's favorite, but they're second on the list. They're not as well known. They're not as well liked. You like to boost those guys up.
2: My mother, my mother raised me to be a leader, not a follower. That's that's what was ingrained in my brain ever since I was three years old. The fact that I'm leading the charge, I believe, on Rob Refsteiner's wagon, and I've gotten a lot of people involved and a lot of people excited about this guy for all the right reasons. Is, is very disappointing watching what he's doing right now at AAA because he's killing it, and he should be killing it on the major league level. 15 for 30 since being sent down. Petting 500. 500. I don't give a – I don't care. AAA is a pretty good level of baseball. You can say when ass on this When you're betting 500, that's pretty phenomenal. And I understand that Tyler Austin is now his biggest threat, which is – it, which is crazy how that point. happened.
1: I want to give you some credit. Last weekend we were hanging out, you made a great point that Tyler oh. Austin is Rob Refsnyder's biggest threat. Because what is what is Rob Refsnyder's value, biggest value to the Yankees? He's kind of a Swiss Army knife of, of players where he can play first base, he can play right field, he can play second base. And he can you can bat him either at the bottom of the lineup or if he's going high, you can bat him at the top of the lineup and know you're getting strong at bats. Tyler Austin is kind of a better version, or at least a better defensive version of Rob Refsnyder.
2: Defensive version is the key at this point.
1: And if he hits equal to what Snyder does, I think that kind of puts Snyder out of a job.
2: You know, everybody was talking about Refsnyder when when he went when he went down. I was I was not happy about it, and I was voicing my opinion on Twitter through Bronx Pinstripes. And everybody who was responding to that tweet kept saying, "Oh, it's just a it's a." You know, because I think they burned out their pitchers the day before. Well, that was the day
1: that Avaldi got injured. That's right. That's so they had to use nine pitchers. So they needed to shuffle. They needed more pitching, and Ref Snyder was unfortunately the odd man out. But he when didn't, get the, was, he didn't exactly. get the call back. He didn't get the call back.
2: Everybody was saying, like, this is just a, a, a day or two. He's coming back. They had to get new pitchers. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Look at what's happening right now. Because the way that's happening, the way that this roster is, is panning out, they're going to call Tyler Austin up because he was hot and he's a real first baseman. They're going to call him up. Not to mention that Austin plays third and can play you know, left or right field. This is a problem for Rob Refsteiner because that is exactly his value. I think Refsteiner is a better... Overall hitter, Tyler Austin probably has we more pop. We can't say that yet. He's got more pop. Well, I'm just looking at their AAA stuff right now. I mean, Ruffsteiner has been, you know, he's he's gotten major league experience. I, I think overall he is a better hitter, just looking at him. I think he's a better overall hitter in that role because Austin has more pop. He definitely does. But Rob Center is a more complete hitter, I think. So... Either way, we know what what Girardi they're, wants.
1: They're with close this. enough offensively where if Austin is that much more valuable defensively, then Ref Snyder oh, definitely on the depth.
2: scale on Girardi's side, no doubt. And they hate Ref Snyder still for some reason. <laughs> Again, he's still pissed. I yeah, told you why he he because he, yeah, he's he he they hate him. He's there's no other explanation.
1: Um. Yeah, he's going to get the call back September 1st, but how much is he really going to get to play when rosters expand and he's also competing with Tyler Austin for playing time. So, I don't and know. And now that
2: Hicks now that Hicks is trying to, you know, Hicks get some is, bats and we, make make, make, make little, the uh, make the most of his at uh, bats. A little
1: behind the scenes before the show, Scott was like, "Oh, I got to look up Aaron Hicks's stats over the last couple of weeks cuz he's on fire." And no matter which way we did it, 5 games, 10 games, 20 games, he's batting like 296.
2: He's I didn't say on fire. That, I said he's been doing better. He's been putting, he seems like know, he's doing but, better. But
1: it seemed like he's on fire because instead of yeah. going 0 for 4 every night, he maybe squeaks out a hit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like he was on base a little bit more often. So I had to look it up he to is. see if it was One, actually true. Maybe once a game instead of zero times a game. Yeah. Yeah. And his every OVP time. Was like, still, bro, wasn't his OBP
1: was, still under 300?
2: When we looked it, it Yeah, it was, at two, it was at 290, I think, over, over <laughs> in the month of That's August. Still
1: a below average player.
2: Yeah, batting two sixty eight. Yep. So, that's a guy that's got a big arm. He throws one hundred and five miles an hour, though. Watch out for that. He threw a guy out today.
1: Yes, I did see that.
2: So maybe we could use him in the in the uh, bullpen. That's what I keep saying. Like, can we just see that? That would be something I'd I'd watch.
1: Yeah, he could be the newer the right handed Errolds Chapman.
2: Yeah, that'd be phenomenal.
1: Uh, when rosters expand, though, as I said, a lot of guys will will get the call up and. Um, Bref center will be one of them maybe we'll see some of the the pitching that uh that we mentioned earlier in the show um ends who might get a a call up just because the triple a season will be over um but i think this year's september call up should be pretty exciting you know usually they're not very exciting because the yankees are in it every year and they don't want to play their all of their young guys because they're still fighting for playoff seating but but this year, not only do we have the youth movement in August, but I think we're going to have an exciting September as well.
2: No, I think that's it's going to give it's going to give Girardi a lot more. Opportunities to play these guys like you just said and we're gonna see them and I think I was alluding to this I don't even think I got to my point when I was talking about these games coming up and and simulated big games The the reason I'm I'm excited that we're you know Four games out and we have an opportunity to to make a run at this is that these guys are gonna be put in big situations I mean you coming into this this series that's coming up with Seattle. It's a very big series I mean, this is a this is a direct uh, competitor for this wild card spot so these guys are going to get some very, very big, big time game action and that type of stuff at the end of the season for a, a young kid like this, like this is all just bonus baseball for these guys, right? This is not stuff. This is not, these are not games that we thought these guys were going to be involved in, let alone starting and being major contributors to. So this is extremely important game situation value for these guys moving forward. And really, to me, is just going to push them another level up going into next year. So. That's another thing, just to be excited about the fact that they're still in it, and that they're the team feels like they're still in it. And you know, going back to the Sanchez tweet, you know, being being naive enough to think they're still in it is a good thing, especially for <laughs> these guys.
1: Really quickly, before we jump off here, I want to ask you a question. On Tuesday night, would you have brought Michael Potato out after that forty-minute rain delay?
2: Yeah, so I think I would have. I think he I wanted would've. to come back out. A Forty minutes is is uh I th- that's like a long getting, inning that's a long it's get, offensive exactly really it's getting close inning. it's close to a uh I, I think it's still within the i think under an hour you can still bring a guy out
1: i agree so over an hour is tough the muscles are totally cooled down it, mentally you're no longer really in the game uh, yeah and i think 40 minutes is doable especially with how well he was pitching
2: yeah and honestly i think that Girardi just uh, just thought he, a six-run ball game going it into it?
1: It should be enough. It should I mean, be enough. I,
2: I, I And and it should have been. It should have been enough. I hate to
1: blame that solely on Girardi for not bringing Pineda out because it, it was a 5 nothing lead. And then it was actually a 6 nothing lead. It was 6. Because, it was so six. I guess it was more than 40 minutes because the Yankees were batting. So it was a 40-minute rain delay plus the inning that they hit. So maybe it was oh, okay. an hour. But okay. six-run lead with nine outs to go should be plenty, or 12 outs to go should be plenty for your yes. bullpen. Right. A bullpen. I know that lost Miller and Batance, or Miller and uh, Chapman, but it's still a pretty good bullpen. It's, it's not, been good it's so, not so far, on it, but it's good. It's it's
2: well above league average. They've done their job. They've done their job ever since the trades have happened. And I mean, there were just you know, Swarzik was terrible. I mean, he has left he been good? That was the
1: biggest thing on Girardi that that game was that he left Swarzick out there to give up four
2: runs. You know, he didn't have it after he walked the first batter. Get him out of there. The problem is is that the, the, other, the other guy that came in was Jason Shreve and didn't even get an out. Shreve, I mean, I he's think been we might have so been... bad. I think that was his last phone. I, I, I yeah. agree. I think he's. I don't. he's got – there's zero confidence in this guy. I don't know how Girardi he can – He can't even can, get an out anymore. Not even an out. I don't know how you could throw him. And he was visibly just like he was pissed off at the fact that he couldn't get it out, which leads me to believe that he was really trying hard, really wanted to, and just couldn't do it. I and just don't think he's talented. how good
1: he was in the first half of last year. Lights That's out tri- last
2: year yeah i don't know wh- I don't know how there's such a big drop off from that. I don't get that because it was over an extended period of time, and it was the f- whole first half, so sounded like it sounded like the league hadn't seen him um yeah, I mean that
1: was one of the uglier I think afterwards I tweeted that was uh one of the Yankees fifteen ugliest
2: losses of the season <laughs> fifteen Jesus
1: yeah but, that was a bad but it really loss. was
2: it was a really bad loss and it came at a really terrible time um. All right.
1: Yeah, hey, I just wanted to mention that because uh, yeah, they had a great win against Toronto Monday, and then that that totally killed any momentum they had, and and they came out flat on Wednesday. Uh, CC pitched okay, not great, but uh, they just they just fell flat on their faces after that rain delay, I guess. So, um, real yeah. quick, hey,
2: before we get out of here, we got to talk about Monday night a little bit. We gotta yeah, we gotta kind of spill the beans. All right. Well, uh, let, you want to start? Yeah, so Monday night uh, we tweeted this out that we were we were at the Steiner Sports event on on Monday night in uh, in Midtown. Last Monday, last Monday, and it was uh, so it was the Dynasty event for the 1996 Yankees and the guys that were there were uh, was Mariano, Pettit, Tino, uh, Cecil Fielder, Jim Larett, and Doc got Gooden. Good, right, I got everybody. You got everybody. And you know, hopefully Doc Gooden's doing all right by the way, because I this past have, week have he's we been, found him yet? I don't know. He's been, I was listening to Boomer and Carter in the morning on Thursday, I think it was. And he was, uh, he didn't show up for an event the night before. So hopefully he's doing okay. Seemed good when we saw him. I mean, he was a little jittery. Was, I mean, that's just the way he is. I mean, I'm jittery. He was but he's, jittery he's just, wearing
1: a Mets shirt to a Yankees event.
2: He did wear a Mets shirt. That was a little weird. I'm not going to lie. I, he was wearing a Mets shirt under his blazer. And I was, you and I were talking about that. I think I was talking about that with Rich too, about, uh, you know, like what was up with that? Did he think, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate, but whatever. So we were there and, uh, we, we got in before the event started and we kind of had a rotation. There were four of us there and we get in and we kind of just like assess the situation to see what the deal is because, you know, we're gonna have opportunities. We have all of our gear ready to go for some interviews and talk to these guys. And it was awesome because, you know, we, you know, I was talking to some of the people to kind of get us into a position to get to talk to some of these guys. And after the first one, we got Doc Gooden was the first one. Andrew was doing the interviews and originally Andrew and I were going to hand off, like go back and forth with the interviews. But the way that it worked out, we just, you know, I think we did what, five interviews in like 10, 15, 15 minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it
1: it came out to 10 minutes of audio or 10 minutes of video. And yeah. yeah, I would say we were done in no more than 20 minutes.
2: So it was very fast and it was back to back and we had a really good system where I was going in and like talking to the guys and then introducing Andrew and just we just decided to to keep it on that way because Andrew's doing a really good job interviews. First time inter- interviewing players, by the way, Andrew. So check that out. He did a really good job. Um,
1: I was a little you, nervous for the first. You have one. a
2: much better memory than me. And I think that plays very well when you're talking in these situations because my memory sucks. And I feel like some of the times when you were talking about it, you could like recall certain situations where I would have been like completely just I wouldn't have had a, maybe a secondary question. Well, that comes I, with I uh,
1: that comes with 20 years of being obsessed over the 90s Yankees.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was obsessed, too. I just I think I drank myself. Stupid I, was just as say, I remember. you were
1: obsessed with them and you were in college getting drunk. Right. Every night. I was 10 yeah. years old looking up box scores every day.
2: Yeah. OK, that's that 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 makes a little bit of sense. But, but what
1: I was saying is that uh, the first interview that we got was Doc Gooden, and I on the on the video, it's the first interview. The first question I'm asking, you can kind of hear the jitteriness in my voice. I was very very nervous, but Doc was a great interview. He gave th- I thought thoughtful and, and good answers, um, and I relaxed after that first question and kind of got in the groove. Um, was able to joke around with a couple of the players, which was which was honestly a dream of mine to be yeah. able to be talking to Andy Pettit joking around with him in the in that first part of that interview i mean i don't know if that's gets any better than that for for someone like me who who just idolized these guys for my whole life so it was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me
2: yeah so it was awesome we got to talk with uh with doc with tino andy pettit laritz and Cecil fielder mariano was was i don't know signing balls or something behind he's our white whale. he was yeah, we haven't gotten him. We've been to two events and haven't been able to interview him. He doesn't do very many interviews from what I understand. So uh, all the guys were very nice and gave really, I thought the interviews were really good and some information, just some, some answers that I hadn't heard before in all honesty. And you hear these guys, you know, you know give a, a million interviews to, to Yes Network or whomever. So it was a lot of fun. And just the whole night was a lot of fun. Uh, the center did a really good job. They raised a lot of money for uh, the Leukemia, and, uh, Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. So that was really good. And overall, it was just really good. But check it out. Uh, check I out just, the blog recap
1: that we wrote. Yeah. Uh, it's up there and it's got a lot of pictures and it's got also um, the live video stream of the We vi- got to put
2: the video in there, too. I don't think we've done that, but we'll put the video in that in that blog recap.
1: Yeah. So it's got the live video stream of the Q&A. There was a Q&A with Laritz, Doc Gooden and Cecil Fielder. And then there was a and a with Andy, Tino and uh, Mo. Uh, both were very good. The one with Larrits was, I think, a little bit more fun. I think there were some more fun questions thrown around. Yeah. Um, well, Brandon Steiner,
2: Steiner, yeah. did the one with with the the three of the four of the core four. So it was the more guys baseball was kind of directed,
1: directed questions, whereas the yeah. other ones um, got into a little bit more fun stuff. Both very. It was very interesting to be there. Um, can't wait to do another one of those. But go check out the video. It's on our YouTube page. It's on the website, or we're gonna put it on the website. Uh, follow us on Twitter, and we'll be tweeting about it at Yankees Podcast, at Bronx Pinstripes, at Yankees underscore talk, and at Scott Reinen. Um, Scott, any last words before we get
2: out of here? I'm good. I'm excited to see these guys take some important at-bats. So let's uh, let's (laughs) continue the growth. Hashtag important at-bats. Hashtag important at-bats for the believers. We'll talk to you guys next week.